holy shit, these are real life SVU episodes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And don't listen if you don't want you fucking prick. Jeez. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. And we are finishing up Shelly's story. We just found out that Catherine Dyer is fucking alive in Australia. And She's not the bolder Jane Doe. So now we're like, who's Who Jane Doe? Yeah. And Shelly's like, let me tell ya. Yeah. All right. So. Hi, Shelly. Hi. The first part of this story that we're starting off with, because it really is kind of the last part, but ties into the ending. We got to talk about the Howards. So the Howards are Roy Howard, and he meets his wife, Eunice Robinson. I love that name for an old lady, by the way. That's like my favorite go-to older lady name. Yes. So Roy Howard meets Eunice Robinson on her family farm. They fall in love. They get hitched. Uh, They have three daughters. The first Howard girl was Dorothy Gay howard who they called dot two years later they have a second daughter barbara geraldine who they call bobby and then two years after that they have a third roberta marlene who they call dini so the howards moved from texas to arizona they worked on a farm while raising their daughters these girls are growing up through world war ii dot and bobby were the closest and dini was the youngest so she kind of tagged along dot was always bossy and in charge but all three of the howard girls had a mind of their own and a determination to match so they were known for being strong-willed women mm-hmm. some stories about these girls like dot used to arrange these races on the family horses with her sisters and dot would choose which horses people got to ride so she would always ride this horse named jeepers who was super young and super fast and then she would assign this horse named old mexico (laughs) to her sisters (laughs) like the horse could like barely run right like so fat just was never going to win dot and bobby the older two howard sisters used to sneak off and sneak cigarettes together and then bobby and dini would uh ditch school and they would hide in this grapefruit orchard um and they'd eat grapefruit all day and dini later in life said she could never eat grapefruit again and dot knew how to copy their mother's handwriting and so she would write the school excuses for her sisters when they ditched um so fun dot would try to extort Deanie into doing things she wanted her to do so she'd be like well i know that you ditched so do this or else i'm telling on you mm-hmm. and Deanie, although she was you know four years younger than dot would be like i'll take care of this and so she would just go straight to her parents and be like yo i ditched yeah <laughs> she wrote the letter yeah now what are you gonna do <laughs> so just like Classic Mm -hmm. awesome sibling stuff. Yeah, Yeah. really strong women. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, Dot was maybe feeling the effects of that post-World War II economy. Dot was definitely born into the wrong time frame. For a woman in the, the 40s and 50s to be so independent was weird right Mm -hmm. like it was about finding a husband and being sub some subservient wife and having babies like that's what you were and dot was not necessarily about having that so she ran off she went with a bunch of friends to portland her dad had hired a detective to find her and brought her back again this isn't like when we had iphones now where we could just like search and see where our kids are at you had to actually hire somebody to go track your kid down so he brought her back during that time too she also married uh she married a man named William Brown. He was 27. And on their marriage 
marriage certificate, she lied and said she was 18. She was really like 15. Oh, my oh, God. Girl. So that wedding was annulled because it was illegal. Yeah. Yep. Dot marries David Powell next. And I sent you guys the photo of Dot and David Powell. We'll post them. Yeah, for sure. David Powell's nickname was Buddy and holy balls was he hot. Like, hold on. Let me get. Wait, let me get there. I need to find this. Oh, hey there. Hold on. Which one? This guy. Oh, yeah. In the Air Force. He just looks to me like when I see that photo, it's even how he kind of like smiles. It's that eyebrow thing with the Air Force yeah. hat thing on where he's yeah. just your mm-hmm. standard, typical, super, super handsome man. I wonder what he looks like sweaty with his shirt off. Gabe, do you <laughs> want everything I've ever what? Do you want a copy of this photo so that you can Photoshop a beard on him? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Buddy Powell was around the Howard household a lot. So the other Howard girls knew him. Not like the other uh, the other dude that she'd married before, the William Brown dude. Nobody knew about that. Her sisters didn't know him. Like, she ran off and got married. Not the same with Buddy Powell. Like, he's around the house. Everybody adores him. From everything I know about David Powell, he was a good dude. Like, really solid, good human. And nobody really knows what happened to that marriage. So nobody knows if it was annulled or if Dot wanted a divorce or he wanted a divorce. But they're not married anymore Mm -hmm. and dot is no longer living at home so she is working as a nanny for a local family she was also working at a movie theater and the theater was owned by an older dude named donald kirkman so then in 1953 dot poses for a photograph with her two sisters in front of bobby's boyfriend's car so i sent you guys that picture too oh yeah those are the three howard girls the three howard girls in front of whose car charlie kishiyama so it's bobby's boyfriend's car bobby's boyfriend's car okay where are they are they in like california or something phoenix arizona it says they uh pose for that photograph in 1953 dot poses with her two sisters in front of bobby's boyfriend's car and dot makes plans with deanie her youngest sister to go to the movies sometime in the next coming days the day for the movie date comes and deanie doesn't hear from dot and it's getting late and she starts to wonder if dot maybe forgot or blew her off deanie calls the home of ray cordy and that's the place where dot worked as a nanny so she calls that home because she knows that she works there and the corte residents tell dini that dot no longer works there they don't know where she is so mm-hmm. they don't really give her any more information other than that other than she's not here sorry and she doesn't work here anymore so that week prior when that photo of the three howard girls were taken in front of bobby's boyfriend's car was the last time the howard family ever saw their daughter and sister dorothy howard mm-hmm. and she's never heard from or seen again roy howard their father filed a missing persons report but no one was able to find his 17-year-old daughter. Mm. Months after Dot's disappearance, Eunice and Roy discovered a divorce decree in the newspaper for Dot Howard and Donald Kirkman. Remember, Donald Kirkman was the older dude who owned the movie theater. So Eunice and Roy didn't even know that Dot had married Kirkman. They Hmm. knew nothing about it. She was working there, right? Mm -hmm. Dot was working. Yeah. Yeah. So the police and Dot's parents obviously then meet with Kirkman because they're like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Like, you were married to this lady and you got divorced and she's missing. What's happening? But nothing comes from that meeting. There's nothing substantial from it. They had been married. And that divorce date was 5-8 of 1954. And it was due to Dot's failure to appear. So why was I interested in 
the disappearance of Dorothy Howard, right? Like that's that's the thing. Like yeah. How mm-hmm. how and why? Hold on to your pants because <laughs> we're fast forwarding from the fifties to the eighties and nineties. Okay. Now. Okay. So I'm born in San Diego. My dad was a cop. He rose ranks to be chief of police and was for a while in the FBI. Even though you know I was born to my mother and father immediately after I was born, I had this weird instant connection with my cousin Amy. She turned eighteen two days before I was born, and she took me everywhere with Aww. her. <laughs> And I spent a ton of time at her house in San Diego where she lived with her parents, my great aunt and uncle. And I continued to spend a ton of time there as I grew up. When I try to explain my relationship with my great aunt and uncle to people, it's hard to describe it. They're kind of like this weird cross between grandparenty, but also parents. Like I'm included as one of their kids. It's hard to explain that and explain like how important they are to me when it's just like, oh, my great aunt and uncle makes it seem like they're some right. distant relative. Yeah. But they're more like I, yeah, parents. Yes. I get it. Yeah, my family's close like that, where it's like, well, we're not going to invite my third cousins. Like, third cousins sounds distant to you, but I grew up with them. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. For sure. My great uncle walked me down the aisle, you know? Mm. So, like, so super close. So, mid-90s, and I'm a total shithead. Like, just a total (laughs) shithead. I'm growing up fast and hard in Southern California. I'm a hot mess, and I'm spending a lot of time at my great aunt and uncle's house, especially when I get in trouble. Like when I would get suspended from school, I would spend the time at their house. My great aunt is this badass genealogist that has like 30 photo albums that go way back. Like we're talking the photos where people don't smile and they're standing super stiffly. Because it takes like 40 seconds for it to snap, you know? So one day I'm there, I'm like 12, 13, and I'm digging around in her photo albums. I find this photo album that is from when my great aunt is a teenager so it's a photo album she made of her teenage years you know when people ask you like well when i die what do you want of my stuff and it's always the most morbid terrible question like anytime a family member has asked me that i've always been like i just want you to live for forever and can we not talk about death ever but (laughs) like what do i want from my great aunt just that photo album like just that photo album it is like pictures of her at the same age looking super badass super retro she was like a cheerleader so these pictures of her and she has this super distinct smile when she's smiling it's almost like you have to smile because you feel it that much yeah but it's also all these photos of her older sisters too and them looking glorious and it's so old timey and the photos are so dramatic I'm looking at these photos and I see my grandmother in there. I also see pictures of my grandmother and my great aunt's other sister. And I'd seen photos of their other sister before, but I'd never met her in person. And her name was Dorothy Gay Howard. (laughs) My grandmother is Bobby Howard. And Deanie Howard is my great aunt. So Dot Howard was their sister that went missing in 1953. Uh. I had always known that Dot had existed. My family never kept that a secret Mm -hmm. from. I mean, she was still talked about. Most of my family thought that she had run away because she had run away that one time before to Portland. They thought, you know, she probably ran away and got married and had a life somewhere else, which really wasn't that uncommon in the 50s. You know, there's a bunch of instances of women just being like, time to get married and have a different life. Goodbye. Yeah. So nobody had heard from her since 1953 and her parents had both already died. Only her sisters and their families remained. Everybody had looked for Dot at some point. My dad even helped look for Dot one time but found nothing. This is all pre-internet for the most part and before police shared information with other law enforcement, which we know is a huge issue still today. Mm -hmm. A couple years later, I'm still a shithead. Not nearly as bad. I have essentially run away 
legally to Wisconsin, I call up my grandmother, Bobby, and ask her if I can start looking for Dot. She says, of course. How old are you at this time? I'm around 16. Okay. I'm around the same age that these Howard girls were through all of this. And Mm -hmm. I really felt I could relate to Dot. You know, like I was this shithead kid that was strong-willed and did whatever the fuck I wanted. And the more consequences there were, the more I just decided you can't even use that consequence because I'll just leave. I connected to Dot on that level. Mm-hmm. I start calling Dorothy Howards and Dorothy Kirkman since I knew that that was her last name at some point she was married. So I'm basically using the internet, which is no longer AOL, but it's not much better than AOL. And yeah. like looking up women and then calling them all over the country and being like, hey, did you run away from your life when you were a kid? <laughs> right. Most of these old ladies were like, you know, sorry, dear, you sound very sweet. But some of them were also like, please don't call here again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I get nowhere with it. There's nothing. And then a couple years later, a friend of mine tells me this tragic story about how he is searching for his missing sister and how he searches for her on the Donut Network. Uh, what's the Doe Network? It's donetwork.org. I'm just going to read you the little blurb from mm-hmm. their website because they're this great organization. So the Doe Network is a 100% volunteer organization devoted to assisting investigating agencies and bringing closure to national and international cold cases concerning missing and unidentified persons. It's our mission to give the nameless back their names and return the missing to their families. The Doe Network is not for the faint of heart. You don't look on the Doe Network unless you're looking for somebody and you're willing to torture yourself Uh. with those pictures. Mm. So I look up the Doe Network and I get busy staying up all night searching bodies that have been found in Arizona. I should mention here that I wasn't just looking at like, hey, there was a body found in 1955. I trust no information ever. Mm -hmm. So I know how humans make errors. So I was looking at males and females in case somebody got classified incorrectly. I was looking at different age ranges in case they got the age wrong. I was looking at bodies that were found as recently as like that same year in case they just found skeletal remains and they accidentally messed up when that person had died. So I'm looking at hundreds of pictures of dead people's belongings or pictures of dead people or different identifying things that somebody could hopefully find and I get nothing and at this time I think I had already determined at least myself I determined that Dot was no longer living like I couldn't imagine a world where she wouldn't have come home for her parents funerals or she wouldn't have reached out after all those years to be like hey turns out this person in our family has cancer or you know something yeah finally At some point, I start looking in the surrounding states and I find this Jane Doe number 433 UFC from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Jane Doe 433 UFC was found at the bottom of a ravine off Cannon Road in Boulder, Colorado in 1953. She was reported to have been five foot or five foot three inches tall and around 100 pounds. Uh, She was reported to have had strawberry blonde hair. There were no clothing or identifiable items on her person when Jane Doe was found. And Jane Doe was found with three bobby pins in her hair. Jane Doe did have an appendectomy scar. And so this is all now in December of 2008. I know I didn't want to make waves and bring this up with my family unless I was more certain. But then in December, I called my great aunt, Deanie, and asked her if she knew if Dot had ever had any surgeries or if Dot had had an appendectomy. And Deanie said, yes, she did have her appendix removed. And Deanie remembered it specifically because she had gone to visit Dot in the hospital. And when a nurse went to change that bandage, uh, she got super nauseous and almost passed out. So we know that she has a scar for an appendectomy. And so does this 
Jane Doe. So I sent my great aunt Deanie the information and the links. And based on the information from the Doe Network at that time, that facial reconstruction and the listing that her hair had been strawberry blonde or red, Deanie did not think that it was Dot. The reconstruction didn't look right and the hair color, it just didn't really make much sense. So I let it go. I probably went back to that website 500 times to try to see if I'd missed something. But finally in May of 2009, so a couple months after talking to my great aunt, um, I searched for Dot again and I just kept going back to that same Jane Doe. So I sent Detective Ainsworth an email. He was the detective on the case and asked for his help in identifying Dorothy Gay Howard. I gave Ainsworth Dot's physical descriptions as well as the information about her appendectomy and didn't get a response. By the way, Ainsworth has solved like a shit ton of murders. He really is out there and you have to Google him and look him up because... Is he hot too? No. (laughs) He has a mustache that he looks like he's straight out of the movie Tombstone. Oh my god! Like... Gabe's like, what do you mean he's not hot, though? <laughs> Colorado cop, mountain cop. You're he's right, just, Gabe. He's just like a no. really super awesome human, too. Oh, then never mind. Gabe wouldn't be interested. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so the next couple months of my life after that get super busy. I started a new job. I went to school full time. I meet my future husband. I stopped looking for Dot. You know, like just stuff was too busy. So then in September, specifically September 27th, 2009, I'm in this awesome like women's studies class. Mm-hmm. And so I'm writing this paper on the effects of pornography and like hardcore pornography or the super fucked up pornography on society and women in general. Mm -hmm. And I come across this article online about a Boulder Jane Doe thought to be the first victim of Harvey Glattman found alive in Australia. So I'd never heard of Glattman before. I'd never heard of the Boulder Jane Doe. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. I knew is that this Glattman dude was a fucked up freak that took weird pornography pictures. But there's this article linked that his first victim was found alive, which is an amazing thing to read right like when you find out that somebody disappeared their entire life and now they're found alive so Mm -hmm. I click on it and I read an article that is talking about that same Jane Doe 433 UFC the Jane Doe that I had wondered about months earlier that's so weird Mm -hmm. that's super weird I had never heard Boulder Jane Doe that was the first time that I realized that there was a Boulder Jane Doe that was seen as like this she was highly publicized in the media I didn't know that she was like the Jane Doe of that area this person and then also this Harvey Glattman dude which I had never heard so like before any of this stuff happened like and I was living in Colorado I have only been to Boulder a couple times but like it was like a thing that was talked about people all knew about the Boulder Jane Doe and Glattman yeah yep so I come across all that information and I resent so like I just forwarded my original email back to Ainsworth again and said I think what I actually said was like yo now you want to check this out like I think I was really just kind of sassy about it Mm -hmm. so I send it back to him ask if nothing else just look into it so we can just eliminate her and I can stop thinking about this I also came across this woman named Sylvia Petham at the same time she'd written a book about the Boulder Jane Doe Mm -hmm. and on her website she had a ton of information so because she was a historian she had like laid out all of this information all of these documents all these old articles so and she's the one who had gotten all the exhumation shit done within a year or under a year yeah yeah like a couple months right because I found all this information and because she had her her email like just listed on her website I sent her an email basically identical to what I had originally sent Ainsworth just saying like hey yo I think this might be my great aunt she went missing at this time she looked like this I got a response from her like right away like it was like she was just like waiting for my email responded so then I was like fuck I gotta call my aunt (laughs) 
like, yeah. I have to tell her that I'm like I'm fucking around with shit. So I called yeah. I called my great aunt Deanie and I was like, hey, so that case, remember that person that I showed you a while back? Well, like the person they thought it was is alive. So I'm gonna push for some things and she was okay with it you know she didn't think that uh, wait i have a question yeah what made you was it more of just like a feeling plus the the threat of possibility because of the appendectomy scar that made you be like i just need to clear this out of my head it just wouldn't it was just stuck in there or what so originally it was time frame and age mm-hmm. you know like there weren't a whole lot of bodies found during that time frame that weren't identified that was in the same age group or mm-hmm. had the same sort of identifying markers oh sure but as soon as Dini told me that she had an appendectomy that's really when I was like I think this is the same person like it went from me being like could this be should I make a stink should I bother people to I should probably bother people about this mm-hmm. now because she has this appendectomy scar it's so weird that she went from like Arizona to Boulder yeah that's mm-hmm. the other thing too is like the fact that it would really stick in your head when it was it's so far away mm-hmm. so I email Sylvia Sylvia emails me back and then right away we're talking on the phone I mean she started like pulling uh, yearbook photos and sending them to me being like is this the dot Howard you're talking about like she was all over it Mm -hmm. so she says that she's going to the police department the next day and she'd mentioned the case so Ainsworth this time gets back to me of course because the other lead you know turns out not to be her asks if we would submit DNA so I get him in touch with my great aunt she submits DNA and then we waited so then fast forward it's October and I'm at work and I just happen to look down at my phone and I have like just a fuck ton of missed calls like just there's all kinds of calls and one of them was from Colorado so I was like oh the DNA came back and it's positive like I just knew like as soon as I saw that I was like holy shit it was dot (sighs) and so I called my great aunt first and she of course confirmed yes the DNA had come back and it was a match whoa my god the woman that was found at the bottom of that ravine in that creek bed in 1954 was her sister Mm. Dorothy Howard also Um, your great aunt my great aunt yeah and I think she was in shock at the time I called Ainsworth next um because he had called me too and he asked what I wanted or what I needed and I said space and anonymity for a while like at least until my aunt said otherwise just don't say anything to anyone because this is going to take everybody a while to process it and it probably would blow the fuck up in Colorado because she's she's like a semi-celebrity mm-hmm. just being the Boulder Jane Doe for some reason yeah wow so Ainsworth says that you know he's not going to say anything but he knows that the sheriff's office is going to have to make a statement within the next few days so that would give us a little bit of time to absorb it on October 28th 2009 the Boulder Sheriff's Department makes a press release that the identity of Boulder Jane Doe has been verified through DNA as Dorothy Gay Howard and the AP loses its shit. Mm -hmm. So there's articles everywhere. Everyone loses their goddamn mind. Associated Press? Oh. Yeah. Associated Press. So there's like hits on it everywhere. People are calling us. People are reaching out. Like there's just, it's crazy. Like it was just absolutely crazy how quickly it blew up. I had a lot of guilt at first Mm -hmm. after this all came out. I remember calling my great uncle early in the morning when I knew that my great aunt would still be asleep and he would be up and just saying that 
I wished I hadn't found her. Like I mm. wished I had just left it alone because my great aunt was being, I mean, she received a death notification. And despite the fact that it had been over 50 years, you have to still remember that, you know, you're still receiving that news for the first time. Yeah. And all of these people in Boulder and different authors and journalists, you know, they had been following this case for some of them 20 or 30 years and they were highly invested financially and just out of curiosity. And so for them, they wanted to see the outcome of it and here's the outcome and they want to talk to those people mm-hmm. but for our family for a lot of them it was the first time they'd ever heard of this well and to find out like how horrible her death was you know that's that's the answer that you don't want to be at the end of it yeah. right just wanting to kind of plug a PSA into here for sure. everybody how to treat people when a cold case is solved a guide by me the family's hearing it for the first time if you're like some person obsessed with crime like me and you've been following cases there's definitely this urge to be like how's the family doing oh my god what happened what have they been thinking what are they planning now and just don't give people some time to grieve and figure out what to do I just kind of urge people, especially with how common it's gotten for people to be like armchair detective, which I hate that term. I also hate the term trolling, by the way. Like if you look at these articles where they wrote about me, all of them say like, and then her great niece, Michelle, was trolling the Internet. That's not the that's not the proper use for the term. Yeah. Boomer. That's not. (laughs) Yeah. It's all trolling. Like I've never trolled. I have. (laughs) Oh, I do it all the time. (laughs) Basically, just leave people alone you know and and if you do really want an interview with them or if you have a reason to talk to them make sure you're doing it in an appropriate way right handle Um, it with kid gloves like be and be straightforward compassionate but yeah yeah so as far as people that reached out to us some of them were appropriate some of them obviously were not appropriate so we really kind of guarded ourselves for several months you know we found that out at the end of October and we were pretty guarded about talking about dot publicly for a while in May of 2010 the family gathered in the Columbia Cemetery in Boulder, Colorado. We decided that because Boulder had loved her for so long in our absence that we would leave her there. Um, We had considered having her reburied in a plot next to her parents, but we really felt like Boulder was her home at Mm. that point. You know, these people loved her and cared for her, and so she should stay there. So was it confirmed that Glattman did it, or was it just speculated that he did it? So yeah, there's no way to prove because they executed him. There's no real way to know if Glattman did it or not. Did Um, she have any like rope burns or anything or like? So they do have in her autopsy report that it looked like she had some restraints at some point Mm -hmm. on her wrists. Okay. um, I think is what they said on there. But there was nothing found obviously with her at the time. So those restraints were no longer on her when she was thrown over that cliff. But they definitely know that she wasn't murdered before she got thrown right so she died as a result of exposure oh, that's right yes that's but she right. would have died from her injuries too like her yeah. injuries mm-hmm. were significant enough they think she would have died from those eventually it's right. just the exposure of being in the elements got her first okay I get- see that doesn't sound to me like glattman because his mo was like strangling them i hate to like talk about your aunt like that yeah, it's like no, weird 
weird. It is hard. So there is a theory that a lot of people buy into that uh, Dot got away and he ran her over. Mm. Um, People ask me all the time, who do I think did it? You know, like that's everybody's like final question to this mystery. I don't want to have what happened with Catherine Dyer happen with whoever murdered Dot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody hyper focused on this one person. They're like, oh, this Catherine Dyer chick must be this Boulder Jane Doe person. Mm -hmm. And I think during that time, we maybe missed a lot of opportunities to say who is this person instead of we think it's this person we just need evidence of it Mm -hmm. yeah I am hesitant to say that it was or wasn't Flatman. I think there's a lot of different options for who it could have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'd been married and divorced. She'd also run away. But I do have some some specific things that I think about Flatman and why I think it wasn't him. Oh, sure. okay. So the first thing is that her identity was hidden on purpose. And Flatman didn't hide the identities of his victims. So he did hide their bodies. He put them out in the desert so that they wouldn't just be out in the open but he didn't hide who they were he didn't strip them down naked and leave them naked he left their clothing on them he left things around them he didn't care about any of that that was different with dot and the fact that the detective right away said that whoever it was stripped her carefully of her clothing so that she wouldn't be identified makes me think that whoever did it knew her like Mm. they knew her and they didn't want to be associated to her when she was found they Mm -hmm. wanted to hide that also, Glatman was an idiot. Yeah. And I I think that he would have blabbed about that. He would have been like, yeah. He would have gotten pulled over for running a stop sign and been like, oh, shit, you got me, guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think he would have said something. Or when they were questioning him in California later, he would have been like, well, I guess you know about the Colorado broad. Yeah. You know, like he would have <laughs> he would have said something. Yeah. So then there's also that theory, obviously, that she was struck by a car. But I just I just don't see him. I mean, if she she got loose, right? Like maybe he tied her up and Dot was a fighter. So I have no doubt that she fought whoever it was. But if she if it was Glatman and she fought with him and took off running, was she naked first? Like, did he strip her down and tie her up in like his car? Mm-hmm. naked because that would be weird to have like a cop come and yeah. you know like that's putting yourself out there to be caught with a naked chick in your car tied up like that well, doesn't seem realistic he did rape somebody in the back of his car right he sure did but she wasn't stripped down naked okay yeah yeah that doesn't make sense so like strip her down naked and then tie her up her get loose her jump out of the car and run and then you run her over but you like pick her up and throw her over the side or you put her in your car and drive her out and throw her over the side and also the women that scared him in the past like when he would get caught and something bad would happen like they would get loose and beat the shit out of him or they just wouldn't let him tie up he was always like and like, then would like, run yeah 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 <laughs> like he would run away i think that if she was naked and tied up and she got loose and started running he'd be like oh fuck and he'd drive back to town yeah i mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. think he'd be like hopefully nobody finds her i don't see it she does match glatman's type so you know those first three women really do look similar to dot you know the other thing too is those lie detector tests they gave him which not super reliable but he did pass a lie detector test that there weren't any more women and then the last thing was that roy hazelwood who's a detective with the FBI had when he was in college the first case he reviewed was the Glatman case and then years later I don't know if it was the Boulder Police Department or if it was Sylvia but somebody had Roy Hazelwood re- 
review the Glattman and the Boulder Jane Doe and see if he thought that Glattman could be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And Hazelwood's a profiler and he said no. He did hmm. not think they were the same. And that one for me is like the biggest because that's someone who's used to seeing crimes and how they're committed. It's not just like me speculating. Sure. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't think that they were committed by the same person so i don't know at this point if we'll ever figure out who did it i think it's been such a long time and obviously evidence doesn't exist anymore but nothing ever happened with that kirkland guy the kirkman dude yeah her husband that was like she didn't show up for the divorce no mm -mm. i think there's a ton of (gasps) people who've been looked at wait what if it was the fucking wife of kirkman that he divorced (gasps) Is that a theory? I've never thought of that theory. Because they got remarried. Yeah. What if... You should send this to Alana. But why would they be... Why would she take her and take her up to Boulder? That's the thing. So, and, you know, I do... You know, just like everything else, I I try to put myself both in Dot's shoes as the victim Mm. and also put myself in, like, the criminal's mind. I think that Dot was taken from Arizona. I Mm -hmm. think that she was alive in Arizona. I don't think that she traveled up to Boulder boulder and met somebody in boulder that did this to her i think she was in arizona and i think it was somebody she knew i don't know if that was a husband i don't know if that was a friend i don't know who that might have been but i think that somebody took her from arizona with the purpose of killing her and disposing of her where she wouldn't be found easily Mm. yeah but in arizona there's desert everywhere like Mm -hmm. people go missing and why wouldn't you maybe why wouldn't you go towards California out in those deserts where people go missing all the time. It just doesn't make sense. Why Boulder? Did she get talked into going to see like a vacation home or something? Or like, what the hell is happening? I, Sorry. Those are all things that I've thought about a million times. Yeah. Like thought about different scenarios of was she hitchhiking because, you know, that was a thing or, you know, a big thing that's come up was did she run to Boulder because Ola Mae Robinson, Eunice Robinson. So Dot's mom is Eunice. Mm-hmm. Um, Eunice's sister was Ola Mae and she lived in Boulder at the time. So oh. was it possible that Dot ran to go stay with her? But Everything I know of Ola Mae Robinson and putting myself in Dot's shoes, there's no fucking way I'd want to go to Ola Mae's house. Like, she didn't have any kids and she's my mom's sister. She's going to send my ass home. And the other thing is that Ola Mae was writing letters back and forth at this time to Eunice and those letters still exist. My great aunt has them. Just reassuring Eunice that I'm sure she'll she'll turn up and she'll show up someday. And if she comes here, I'll send her home. That kind of thing. So mm. if she had gone to Boulder and she had stayed at Ola May's house, Ola May would have for sure told Eunice right away. And mm-hmm. that never happened. Unless. There's also this discrepancy mm. of time. So nobody really knows for sure when that last photo of those three girls were taken. But my great aunt, who would have been around 14 at the time, Dini believes that it happened, you know, end of summer or fall of 1953, and Dot wasn't found until April of 1954. And right? I think so when when Dot would run away, she'd run away with people. Like it mm. wasn't by herself; she was usually with friends. Yeah. And so I think if she had booked it to Boulder with friends, somebody would have been like, "Hey, our friend is missing. She's yeah. not here." Or they're the ones that did it. It's possible. Uh, there's just so much, mm-hmm. so many very like i'm sure you and i'm sure you those, have you're yeah, like most of those of people are dead yeah now. so i do know that detective ainsworth wants to see the photos from glattman that's kind of been a big push it was on america's most wanted a couple times Ugh. back in the day detectives like took work home and like kept shit from cases as like souvenirs yeah so Ew. the pic- 
pictures from Glatman have been missing. They they don't exist anymore. <gasps> oh my fuck. That God. is so fucking awful. Yeah. Ainsworth wants those photos in case you could identify Dot in those photos, but I just don't think Glatman did it. So I don't really waste any energy thinking about that anymore. Right. It's also hard because my great aunt Deanie is still with us. Thank God. You know, this is painful for her. So it's hard for me sometimes to poke around this subject and go yeah. too far sure. into it knowing that it's just going to hurt her. Yeah. I really kind of feel like it's just not a solvable case almost. Like there's just no way of knowing at this point. The last things that I wanted to make sure I said about this case is that, you know, I only really share this story with people now to highlight that my family loves each other and that we love Dot still. You know, like there is a part of me that's like I'm proud of myself for being able to put pieces together and be persistent enough to Mm -hmm. keep looking into things with my family, though. I think it's just important to highlight that we never stopped feeling Dot's absence, even those of us who never met her. Um, I knew about her the whole time I've existed and we still missed her, even if we never knew her, like we missed her there. Yeah. And we are a close family that had we known where Dot was, of course, we would have been up in Boulder immediately. You right. know, like it just took a while. And I just happened to be born at the right time where the Internet was access- accessible and there was something like the Doe Network that existed. Yeah. But the rest of my family looked for Dot, too. And she was always missed. And we just have this huge gratitude for Boulder and what they did for her. Yeah. I think that, you know, they just really did go above and beyond for our family. And I guess the last thing, too, is that Robinson blood, right, that I had talked about mm-hmm. in the beginning of the Howard story, that Eunice Robinson comes from this long line of these determined, persistent, uh, pushy almost <laughs> women yeah and you know i think sometimes that's been a detriment in my life like i i'm seen as too aggressive over stuff or too pushy but it's also been really nah, beneficial yeah. it's been beneficial in my life and getting things done and I think it is for women sometimes we're seen if you're too pushy or you're aggressive or assertive that it's seen as a negative quality but yeah. mm-hmm. I think that for most of us when we use that tool that we have we're able to accomplish things and get things done yeah. and um, I think in this case that Robinson blood that I have helped me not give up in finding Dot yeah yeah. I wow. feel like we should be clapping I know please <laughs> don't clap I really want to plug the Doe Network and yeah. name us so please google them obviously be aware of the stuff that you're going to see but if you you know want to donate to some place that's really making a difference I can tell you for sure that the Doe Network made an absolute difference in our life and there's no way at least in the time frame I did what I have stumbled across the Boulder Jane Doe and mm. been able to put things together. Thanks Jane Doe. <laughs> the Doe Network. Oh I mean thanks Doe Network. <laughs> Fuck. Thanks Doe Network. Jeez. Thanks for coming Shelly. You are our wrap up of our intermish. Yeah. So, thanks for telling us the whole story. It's like it's a lot. It's a lot. <sighs> you're a brave lady. Yeah. You're super brave. That sounds emotionally really really intense i hate when people are like you seem so brave but like actually this is like you are brave thank you guys for having me on and letting me talk about dot and letting me highlight dot as the story instead of glatman like i really wanted to tell (laughs) exactly i really wanted to tell that story and get him out of the fucking way johnny glenn we could (laughs) johnny rockets oh my god they have such great malts (laughs) 
so that we could talk about the real important people in this case, which yeah. were those uh, those ladies. Yeah. Right. No, and I think I think you did a great job at that because you did. Yeah. It's like um, I'm gonna go like yell at a dude in the street right now because they sound like real badasses. <laughs> I, th- I feel like I want to do that after just hearing the story. Just every guy that walks by be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm just a dude existing. You're like, exactly. Get out of here. All right. We will be back with episode 12 of SVU. So we're, we're back on I track. thought I said SUV for a second. And it took me a minute to get back. Uh, I do that when people, I'm like, oh, she drives the SUV. <laughs> I actually had to think for one second. Right. We'll be back with episode 12. Uh, we're going to recap that and kind of get back into it so we can wrap up season one so we can get to tutuola i can't wait for ice tea to join our podcast i know it's gonna be great all right uh yeah follow us on instagram and twitter at svu pod and facebook svu pod join our facebook group email us svupod at gmail.com we also have a website where you can find links to all of these things all of our episodes and all of our social media it's svu pod especially heinous.com and send me ghost stories just what sure all right see you later love you bye love you bye we did talk to shelly off mic after this big huge three-part conversation and she's not going to talk about anything that she doesn't know for sure as far as this case goes but she has more speculation and some of it is super compelling yeah plus like we asked 500 million questions yeah (laughs) we also asked permission to be able to say this much but if something comes up that she is able to talk about she said that she would come talk about it Mm -hmm. so if more comes to light we are 100 going to have shelly on for a fucking part four yeah because i need resolution to this Mm -hmm. right yeah can i say the off mic stuff was fucked yeah fucked up super fucked up but she she's not she's not just gonna speculate and be like i'm putting it on a podcast like right just like alana had said during her interview facts facts facts, facts. having the facts is the most important part which for me i'm just gonna throw shit out there and then when it comes back at me i'm like what (laughs) sorry (laughs) i didn't know so (laughs) yeah but we like for sure know who did it (laughs) as soon as she was like oh this is a possibility off mic that i'm willing to tell you guys we're like that's what it is let's hit record and she's like no but for real though when we talked about some of the stuff i mean you both were like (gasps) yeah but i think i I feel like a dick being like it was the hardest gasp of the whole thing but it was (laughs) all right let's be done with this oh okay uh, there's photos of her and her best friend Sunny, like linked arm and like half bent over, laughing so hard. And oh, and everyone in her life is like, she's a lesbian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go. You see me try really hard to do it. Like, no pod. <laughs> yeah, but you sounded like you were drinking because you were annoyed with me. <laughs> I um, am. This just in. I am. I am. <laughs> extra. extra.